Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee from MTR Podcasts, and today's guest is Julia Flyshaker. Yeah? No? Yeah, you got it. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, of Greedy Reads. Um, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So never wants to talk to me. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying. I'm, uh, it's funny. I've been more social with having technology between me. It's like, yeah, uh, uh, hey, how's it going? But it's like online only. I'll talk to people online, but not in person. That's really funny because you know what? When I first opened the bookstore, I realized that it was um, my perfect social interaction <laughs> uh, because I refer to myself as like an oversharing introvert. Wow. So to have these like little contained moments with people and then you say goodbye and it's like done. <laughs> M- mine's is usually a little worse. It's like, all right, I'm cutting your mic. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should it's, put some mics in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's um, one of the other shows that I do before I even get into the interview piece. But one of the other shows that I do um, is a comedy podcast. And uh, cause I am a ham as it were, even I'm a ham as it were. And uh, one of the, things we wanted to do was like a podcast contest and like almost like uh the voice or something like that and i wanted to call it Podmasters, and i just wanted to have all of the kind of like archetypes there all the personalities and then the you know the way that someone is kicked off it's like yeah i'm muting your mic and that's the way that they're kicked off the show it's like the the, the cane at the apollo Yes. Right up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous idea. I was working with um, the Baltimore Improv Group, and I still feel like I can make it happen. <laughs> I just want to put on a wig and wear like really glittery shirts and just play this whole character and see I if it goes somewhere. Do it. I think you should do it. So let's get into Greedy Reads um, yeah. a little bit. Um, so quickly let us know what greedy reads is and then i'm just going to hit you with the inundation of questions but yeah greedy sure so uh greedy reads is a independent very happily independent uh locally owned bookstore we sell new books um and we opened in 2018 in fells point in a in a very small 500 square foot beautiful dreamy space i love it so much um and then we opened in november of last year a second location i always say that the only thing i couldn't do in in the first location was the events that i wanted to so we we were lucky enough to kind of stumble on a a bigger space in remington and uh you know that's beautiful and dreamy too and it's my second baby so (laughs) i've i've been to both of these locations regularly because i am uh dating an english major and it's like ooh books and uh I think the way that she described it, um, when the Remington location, she was like, Yeah, it just smelled like books in there and I was oh, just I high and I almost fell over and I was like, All right, calm down. The smell of books is so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I wanna bottle it. I'm trying. Believe I'm trying to bottle it. I don't know how though. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for sponsors, so we can talk about this. <laughs> um so uh, so what is your, your background in publishing? Like, what is your background yeah. in the book world? But sure. What is your background in publishing? So I grew up in Maryland, and I graduated from the University of Maryland. And I guess probably a week after I graduated from college, from college Park, I uh, moved to New York. And I spent 20 years there. And that entire time, I really never had never done anything except work in publishing. Mm-hmm. And so I spent... Uh, I, you know, I, I, I lucked into a job pretty much. I really fell into it. I was working for a temp agency and, and I got a, 
a temporary gig as the assistant to the president, the woman who was then the president of Penguin Books, and kind of parlayed that into a, a, a full-time gig as her assistant. And then um, she was a tough boss, <laughs> really brilliant woman, tough boss, but she did me such a solid when it was, we realized that our, um, I guess we could say our organizational systems, because I'm not the most organized person. They maybe weren't the best match, but she, uh, she basically said, you've seen everybody come through my office in the last year and a half from every department. You've heard all of our meetings. What do you want to do? Tell me what you want to do. We'll find a place for you in the company. And so I was really fortunate, and I, and I went into the publicity department at Penguin and stayed there for uh, 15 years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I started as an assistant and then just kind of toiled my way through. And, and when I left, I, w- I was the director of a department and it was it was just an amazing experience. It was it was really cool. Huge company. Huge yeah. company. Um, bigger now. I left <laughs> right after, you know, this is kind of inside inside baseball, but they mer- Penguin merged with Random House and um, created this kind of behemoth of publishing. And, and I left pretty soon after the merger. So um, after I did that, I went, I kind of did the polar opposite in publishing and I went and worked at a very small, literally 12 people in the office, um, independent publishing house based in Brooklyn called Melville House. Um, Super literary, progressive, political, um, point of view, outspoken, you know, kind of, they were really famous for the Twitter account when I was there. Um, and it was really kind of like a, a meg of, I'm trying to like a photo negative, uh, that I, I got to do. And it was just so awesome that I, I got to stay in the same industry and have this totally different experience. Um, and so I was there for five years and I did, I did publicity and marketing there. And, um, you know, it's the difference between going, and working for, you know, doing a, a book tour with Mario Lopez at Penguin and then going to work for, a, you know, on behalf of a, a translated book from an Egyptian dissident. Um, so I kind of really got to, to run the gamut there. It was, it was a great experience. Yeah. That's a stark difference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I get like, um, you know, Facebook memories pop up in my, in my feed. And actually, it was yesterday. I was going in to um, sit in a studio for eight hours with Geraldo. I was like mentally preparing myself for that. So, <laughs> you know, that, that was about probably 13 years ago. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. it's just time is time right now. Yeah. That, that, when, when I have a, a good way of like, like I'm kind of gob, gobsmacked away, I was just like, time is time. Time is time. You know, time passes, but it also manages things stay a lot the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me about um, some of the considerations uh, that are needed. Some of the considerations you have to make when you're curating a bookstore or a bookshop. Um. Well, you know, because I had that background in publishing, I've been kind of immersed in the world, and so you know, what normal people would consider like a book club conversation was like me going out for drinks with friends. And so I didn't really know anything other than that. And I had just, and I had just had this kind of recall of every book that had been published in the last 20 years, just because that had been my life. Um, 
But so what I really did when I, when I opened up the Fells Point store is I started and I, I said, I'm going to build my dream home library. If I had a 500 square foot room in my house and I could fill it with books, what would I want? And it was awesome. <laughs> it was really awesome. It was super fun. You know, I am not from Baltimore and I had not really lived in Baltimore before. And so I knew that there was going to be some, there were a couple things that I knew. I knew that I was going to have to get to know the city and the neighborhood and, and who was going to come and shop. But I also knew enough about Baltimore to know that it was, that it is a legendarily segregated oh, well. <laughs> majority black city. And I, and I knew that I wanted my store to be a place where anyone in the city could come and find something that, that spoke to them. Uh, so that was another consideration. Um, I feel very fortunate that my dream library seems to match up with what a lot of other people want. Um, so I've never really had to face that kind of like, oh, God, I hate these books. Do I have to carry them? <laughs> I've never had I've really never had to face that. Um, and I don't I do pass on a lot of books, obviously, in a story that says you have to. Right. You have to make those decisions. Um but it's worked out pretty well. It seems like a pretty kind of, you know, we're vibing. Me and Baltimore, it's good. <laughs> I mean, I I dig it. Like I've I've been to like I've I've been to both locations, and they they just have like a certain energy there. Like and, and it felt welcoming. Like sometimes you'll go to a place that you you see the lines, you see the strings, and you're like, all right, this is not the most welcoming place. And sometimes when I'll go to a bookstore and I'm like, all right, what's in here that I'm interested in? Because I have a wide variety of stuff and especially the Remington location. I, I went there and I started like looking at it. I was like, oh, there's that Shea Serrano book that I like. There's this book. Oh, is that a bio on this person? And I was like, okay, cool. All right. I, I, I can go in here with my girlfriend while she's in there just free, free basing like the smell of books. <laughs> And you don't have to just like sit in the corner. You found some stuff that that's great. And for you to say welcoming, that was really important to me. Um, partly because I knew I was going to be spending literally all of my time there. <laughs> and I did. And I wanted it to be a place that people wanted to be. I mean, it shouldn't be a chore, right? I don't think reading should be a chore. I don't think looking for books or talking about books should be thought of as, ugh, like gross homework, <laughs> whatever. Like it's, it's beautiful. And, and I wanted my stories to reflect that. That's, that's wonderful. You're, you're doing a great job of, of yeah. that. Speaking, speaking of your, your, your business as a whole more macroly, I guess, um, mm -hmm. how has your business changed over the, the two years of this or the, the two plus years of this, its existence? Well, we're barely open right now. <laughs> well, well, obviously. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say that they haven't, it hasn't changed as much as you might think. Okay. Um, and that's been, I've worked really hard to keep a, a personal feeling, you know, this feeling of a neighborhood bookstore. I mean, because that's what it is. I mean, that's what we are. And we happen to have two of them now, but we are neighborhood bookstores. And, uh, you know, the, 
I think <laughs> it's a little bit like like they say about having children. Like having your second child doesn't mean you have twice as much work. It's like an exponential kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a lot more considerations, but. If Greedy Reads stops being a place that feels welcoming to people, if it stops being a place where people feel like they can come in and have a leisurely browse and find things that interest them and find things that they not wouldn't necessarily find other places, then what's the point? What, what's the point of, of our being there? And so it was really important for me when we did expand into Remington that we I did everything that I could. And I've been, I've hired... I mean, we have amazing booksellers and my staff is just unbelievable at, at creating that feeling. And I don't know how I found, you know, seven unicorns in Baltimore, <laughs> but I did. And I feel really fortunate about that. That's great. Yeah, I think Balt. I think somehow like Baltimore is, and, and let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I think Baltimore has just, something that makes it unique while also being familiar. It's like we have like Baltimore is very specific in how it goes about things. I think the term that I've been throwing around and is uh gritty authenticity. What are your impressions of Baltimore? And secondarily, why did you choose to open up your, your, your stores in yeah. Baltimore? I mean, I think that the answers to those two things are probably the same. Um, I grew up outside of D.C., so, um, you know, in a, in a suburb outside of D.C., and then I, like I said, went to New York, and um, I was ready to leave New York 20 years. I don't, I don't know if you've ever, you have, you've been in Baltimore. Um, 20 years in New York is, it was good. <laughs> it's good. I think I'm dipped. Uh, but, you know, but to be frank, I was, I was getting divorced. I was, you know, I had been in my job for five years at that point, and it was a job that I loved, but I felt like I was coming to the end of just when, you know, things have a natural end date, and, and I felt like I was coming to that. And, uh, but I couldn't imagine what else I was going to do. I mean, how do you spend 20 years in one industry and then leave it and go, A, try to find someone to hire you to do anything else because you, you know one thing. Um, you might know it really well. But there's not a huge, I mean, there are publishers outside of New York, but it's not, it's not a huge industry anywhere else. Um, right. But anyway, so my whole family is in D.C. now. And so I thought, well, I'll go, I'll go to D.C. and see what I can do there to kind of make my way there. And I really didn't have a plan when I left New York. Um, and it became really clear to me that my life in DC was not going to be that different than my life in New York, right? I was going to get a studio apartment. I was going to be dealing with the same kind of financial stressor. Like all of those things were going to be the same. And um, I had actually applied for a job in Baltimore and had come up a number of times for interviews and um, I didn't end up getting it, but it, it's fine. <laughs> it worked out. Okay. Um, and every time I would come up here, I would, spend more and more time exploring. So I would, you know, have an hour long interview and I would spend the whole day here. And uh, I really just kind of, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the energy. I mean, there's like this amazing creative energy in Baltimore, you know, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else, frankly. I mean, but there's also, yes, it's, it's authentic, but there's like this deep, 
engagement with communities and this deep engagement with activism and this real kind of, how people in Baltimore feel present to me yeah, in a way that maybe they don't always in other places. Um, obviously I haven't lived everywhere, but I just fell in love with it. I, I just found myself wanting to spend more and more time here and uh, thought to myself, well, let's just see, let's see what's possible. You know, if I decided to do this thing, you know, Baltimore has great bookstores and had great bookstores, but I knew it had been a long time since a new one had opened. And um, because I was a publicist when I worked in, in publishing, so I would do author tours. So I was really familiar with the bookstores that were here. And I had had great experience with, with Atomic and Red Emma's and the Ivy. And I'd worked with all of them. And I knew that there was this great community of readers in the city that maybe you wouldn't know about if you, if you hadn't done that. Um, so anyway, I went out one day in Fells Point and I stumbled on my space and, and I was like, this is crazy. This space is so beautiful. You know, it's got the stained glass. It's got the iron gate. It's got these weathered floors. If I don't like do this now, like literally right now, someone else is going to snatch this up. And so it really felt like the decision was made for it. It was almost like, okay, well, I don't have a choice. I have to do it. <laughs> right. I, haven't really, I haven't really thought it through, but I guess I got to do it. And so uh, that, that decision was made for me. And, um, I, you know, I signed the lease on the store before I had a place to live in Baltimore. And so everything happened very quickly after that. It's, it's great. It sounds like you you took the leap. You found your thing. And it's like, it, it, it kind of goes into... I think a little bit what you mentioned present and I, I agree with that. And one of the things that when I read like this Eastern like way of thinking, and yeah. it's just like sometimes when something hits you, whether it be an idea or whether it be just understanding something or whatever, when you, when you get it, that's when you're supposed to get it. And then yeah. you have to act, you can choose on what you want to do, but it's like, you're seeing it and you're feeling it right there specifically for, for that reason. It's yeah. like, and, 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 and that's, that's kind of how it is. Like, you know, there are things when you're chasing whatever it is that, that next thing that you want to do, like yeah. with, with me in, in podcasting, which I look at it in very artistic sort of way. It's not just, I'm going to turn on some mics and I'm going to talk to people and try to be interesting. I, I try to get something out of the conversation and I, I have a goal and so on. I actually am very serious about it. So, you know, I look at some of the things that I have to do, whether it be being part of different groups and taking just different shots. And it's like, I got it right there. And it's like, this is not going to make sense yeah. right now. I'm, I'm just being full Aquarius about it. It's like, this isn't going to make sense yeah. for most people, but this is This is going to work right now. I guarantee yeah. it's going to work. And that's how I kind of go about it. Yeah. I've had a few people ask to talk to me about like, entrepreneurial, you know, people always want to hear from entrepreneur and I don't consider myself an entrepreneur at all. And I'm definitely not like a, like a rise and grind person. Like I, that's not me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I envy those people. I wish I had that kind of get up and go. I, I and, but it's not my personality. And, um, you know, when I moved to New York, I, I always said, like, it wasn't a matter of loving New York. It just felt like home. Sure. And um, Baltimore felt that way to me as I was spending time here. And as a non-kind of 
grind it out until you until you make it person because I am frankly lazy at my core. <laughs> um, I was surprised at how much I was surprised at how much work it was, but I was also surprised at how much I loved the work. And I basically worked my ass off for two years to, and I'm, I still am, but, you know, to build it from nothing and, and to create something. But none of it was a hardship. It was a, every, every step of it has been a privilege. And I feel so fortunate to be here and, and to be here through this shutdown and to have people supporting us through this. And, you know, as, as a, semi-newcomer, I feel the welcome that I got from Baltimore and that, that has remained to this day has been amazing. And I'm eternally grateful to the city for, for what it's done for me. <laughs> it's it, that that's, that's great. And uh, that's one of the things that, you know, we're charming here for one, but yeah. that's, <laughs> that's, that's oh, one no, of the, I mean by charm city. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> but that's, that's one of the things that, um, that I try to do with this, this podcast platform or what have you, like I've been podcasting, it'll be 12 years in February. Wow. Yes. I'm old. Something I've, some say I've been doing it way too long, but, uh, it's, it's one of those Nobody things. Tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I did my goofy, you know, comedy podcast talking about weird news stories and all of this stuff for the majority of that time. And, you know, as I touched on a little bit earlier before we got, you know, started with the mics on, it, it was one of those things where I wanted to give something back and I wanted to help out the artist community and the business community you know, as much as I can in the city, because I think it makes up what the identity of this city is. Yeah. And it makes up what, like, I, I don't want to go down to, like, Fells Point or go into Remington and not see, like, the the, the quirky businesses, the the, the book, your bookstore, yeah. your bookstores, rather. And and just, like, I want to see those places pop, prosper because they make up the, the DNA here. Yeah, I mean, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm not a politician and nobody would ever elect me to office, but like, I think there's a lot that the city can do with that deep well of, it, it is this beautiful combination of creativity and ambition and, and that exists so deeply here. And I, and I think that it can be used to better advantage for the city, but again, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I'm not a politician, but you know, when I moved here, I was like, well, I want to, I want to have some Baltimore stuff. I want Baltimore to be represented in my store. So when you're looking at the non book items, what are, what are the things you're going to round out the store with? And it was the easiest thing imaginable to stock my store with local makers because they were just, they're everywhere and they're talented and it's like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was like they were falling in my lap and, and it was like real quality product. It wasn't, you know, okay, I'll take a look and let you know. I mean, it was like really, it was great art. It was candles. It was tea. It was all just and made here in Baltimore. And, and I, that was, that was amazing to see just how deep that maker community goes here. So, since since you said it, so I guess we can officially announce that we're doing the the 2020 ticket. Um, Flyshaker Lee. Um, 2020 <laughs> is, 
Just, we're taking uh, over. Hitch and... yourself to my wagon. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find myself in those conversations all the time, and I'm just like, uh, well, this yeah. is what I would do. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it just cuts right to the bone. And uh, But, yeah, that's – and it, it's great. You're right. We we do have a lot of makers here. And, you know, you have, like, shops like uh, Made in Baltimore and, and so on. And, you know, a lot of I the places out – in, in Remington, really close to my Remington shop, she has all Baltimore makers in there, too. I mean, it, it, there's so many of them. And I always think about oh, – she might kill me, but the first <laughs> person that I – reached out to the, to stock in my store was Megan Lewis, who is an artist and she goes by urban hipster on, on Instagram. And she sold these prints. They were eight by 10 prints. They were great. She, I have a Billy, one of her Billy holiday prints hanging in the, in the rumming, in the Fells point store. Um, and you know, now two years later, she just had a mural at the U S open. Wow. Yeah. She had something in Camden Yards and it's just, a, you, you know, you really do get this kind of like hometown, like, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> I'm so proud of her and so happy that that talent is being recognized and, and so happy that I kind of was able to sell her. She doesn't make the prints anymore, so I can't sell them anymore. <laughs> so I, I got a, I got a question about the name actually. Yeah. Um, so obviously, at least I would think um, that we're not having lunch inside Greedy Reads. So how did you come up with the name Greedy Reads? And I, I, immediately I think of food and maybe that's my oh, own really? proclivity. That's funny. That's, <laughs> funny. that's really interesting. Well, probably people think whatever they, whatever they love most, right? Well, that's I do love food. Greedy about. But um, to me, it was all, it was, I always say that it was a really aspirational name for me. So there have always been stores, you know, growing up outside of DC, it was, I loved Kramer books and DuPont Circle when I was growing up and, of course, politics and prose. And then moving to New York, I lived a- across the street from the my ultimate bookstore called Three Lives and Company. And I loved that store so much. And these stores are stores, you know, especially Three Lives and Company. You walk it, I would walk in and I would want everything. I would just want to take it all home with me. And Three Lives and Company is small and, and very heavily curated and, and they do a lot of that kind of, they don't take everything. They don't stock everything. They really make choices and they, and they select uh, what they're going to have in the store. And so that feeling of walking into a store and being like, Oh my God, I want it all. <laughs> that was a dream for me to be able to, to give somebody else that feeling. And so that was, you know, to just like shove it all in your, in your cart and go. <laughs> Give me that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you pay uh, before you go. But yeah. well, well, I mean, we have a barter system here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a few more, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give you because you mentioned something before these mics went on, and we got to talk about. But I'm gonna give you oh. these last these last few oh. questions. <laughs> We're giving you these last few questions. Um, can you share, um, maybe two to three books that you've recently read that you will recommend? Yeah, for sure. Um, I can recommend more than that because I can recommend four to five books by Baltimore authors that I recommend that are pretty new. Okay, let's see if you can buy two questions. Okay, well, I'll start with with, with the recommend. So the first one, I I wrote down three three books here that I did want to recommend. The first one is by a Baltimore author. It's called True Story by Kate Reed Petty. She does live here. Um, She's local. It is... I literally could not put it down. 
Um, and I don't know about you, but like my pandemic attention span is a little bit, has been a little bit shot, but like I could not put this book down. It is a story of a high school student and an assault that may or may not have happened. And it has multiple narrators and she tells it in, in multiple kind of forms. So like one chapter is told entirely through draft college application essays. And you kind of learn this person's story through these drafts that she writes. It's, it's, she, Kate, I'm so proud of Kate. She did such a good job. I just, I highly recommend it. Um, I kind of put it down and was like, whew, I got to think about this for a while. <laughs> I got to sit with this and like not talk to anybody about it for a couple of days. I've got to like absorb it all. So that was really good. Um, I would recommend uh, Luster by, uh, oh my God, I don't even, Raven Leilani is her name. Um, it is kind of a, uh, at its, you know, most basic level, a struggling millennial story, kind of like a, a millennial who has a job that barely pays the bills and is really dissatisfied in life. But there's this real kind of rawness and um, gutting look into this woman's life. And, and I don't know if you or anyone who's listening read Queenie, it's kind of like a more raw version of Queenie. And okay. I love them, so I like them both. Um, and then the third one I would recommend um, just came out in um, September. So Transcendent Kingdom by Ya Jesse, who is the author of Homegoing, which I know a lot of us have read. I know we did it in the Greedy Reads book club. That book was one of those phenomenons that you're like, how does somebody follow this up? How do you not just like go somewhere and never talk to anyone again after you write something like this? Um, but apparently she's a real person who lives a life and probably like takes a subway and you know, but so her new book, Transcendent Kingdom is the story of Ghanaian immigrants living in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And it touches on faith versus science. It touches on drug addiction and depression. And she writes in her language is, is not flowery. It's not super fancy. It's pretty plain. Mm -hmm. But every sentence is like a gut punch. I mean, she just, it, it's a, yes. Again, I finished the book and I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's, it's sad. Um, but I was also sad to have finished it because I, I liked the character. Let's, let's put that on the jacket, actually. For <laughs> <I it>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's everything. Oh, oh, oh. I almost forgot about the, uh, the, the hot seat questions. And yeah. then I'll give you an opportunity to shameless plugity plug uh, yeah. all of your stuff. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Let's see. Um, favorite baltimore location like neighborhood landmark what is your favorite like place in baltimore oh my god this is totally hot seat for me because i always say that i moved to baltimore put my bags down in my place and then like never did never went anywhere except for my store uh, oh. which is not true <laughs> totally uh, i probably love a lot of the same places i like clavel larder near near remington i love those here over by the false point store i love 
Charmed Kitchen, which is something that the neighborhood desperately needed, which is a little bistro kind of place. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I love to walk around Mount Vernon. It reminds me of New York yes. in its density and the architecture, Peabody Library. I mean, how can you not <laughs> feel odd when you walk into that space? Um, and I spend a lot of time in Patterson Park because I have a dog and she demands sniffing <laughs> time. So we spend a lot of time in Patterson Park and I love it there. Okay. You, okay. You, you're so far. You, you're filling in because I've all those places. You like. I'm friends with Chris, who's behind Lauder uh, yeah. and, and sophomore. Um, Patterson Park regularly. I live not too far from there, so there yeah. Go. Same yeah. page. Same okay. page. All right. Well, I need someone to tell me more places. But okay. I mean, I I'm the I'm the tastemaker here. I can give you uh, some suggestions or what have you. Uh, you can tell me like your list, your top ten or something. Absolutely. Okay. Um. So. Hmm. This is a new question I have, but since I have you on here, I might as well ask you. You'll be you'll be my guinea pig on this this question, I suppose. Favorite place to read? My bed. Okay. <laughs> so so no okay, because some people say I'm gonna go to the park and read. Yours just uh, actually, well, okay. My favorite place to read is alone at a quiet bar. That's a unique one. I've never that heard that is one before. My all-time favorite place. You pull up a stool. You have your book, you eat some French fries, you have a couple of glasses of wine. That, to me, is like an ultimate evening. I love it. I have not done that since... Well. <laughs> I don't even... I have no sense of time anymore. March? May? When did this start? I don't remember, but I haven't done it in a long time, but that is my all-time favorite reading location. doesn't really matter. There just can't be TVs. That's the most important thing. Okay. No TVs in the bar. This is an anti-TV place. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I dig it. Yeah. Now, the last two, one is controversial because we already talked about it, but I am going to ask it again. Yeah. And uh, this one is, it, it, this is the, a staple question for Baltimoreans. So people who live here, you, you've, you've been here. You're, you're, you've, you've, you've passed many of the, the the challenges you've exceeded um so i'll ask you this one and then I, the other one i already know the answer to but i'm still gonna ask it um best place to get a crab cake hey please okay we, we, you're, you're okay okay because we most of the people have said fadeleys yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah I like the whole vibe of it, the stand-in. You know, I like bars, I guess. I like standing at the bar and eating my crab cake. <laughs> now, here's here's the last one. Um, favorite snowball flavor. You had to do it. You had of course to. I did. All right. Um, well, as you know, <laughs> I've never had a snowball. Oh. Mm. Um, this is a 75% right here. <laughs> I am ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I expect to be driven out of Baltimore in a, in, a, in a hail of shaved ice at any moment. But we, we, Ice Queens, I, I want to go visit Ice Queens in they're in Locust Point, I think. Yeah. Uh, then they just opened up, and yeah. I follow them on Instagram, and they look amazing. Well, one of the things we do here um, for people who have not had snowballs, we you know how you, you've heard of like being tarred and feathered. We tar and crab cake. Well, cra we tar and crab shell people. That's what we do. It's just you know, <laughs> it's a dead man or whatever. Um, so when I previously asked you that, you said a little bit about New Orleans, right? Yeah. So say say more about that. Cause continue because I, I don't think we actually talked about that at all. Uh, I kind of bounced around a lot in college. Uh, it took me a couple extra years to graduate because I. I 
went to three colleges. Um, but I did go to Tulane. So I went to New Orleans right after high school and um, feel this insanely deep and abiding love for the city. I love it so much. Um, and I actually feel like Baltimore and New Orleans are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and that might have been what part oh, may have been part of what drew me to Baltimore. Um, I left, I really date myself. I really age myself. Here. <laughs> um, you know, after I left New Orleans, it was, it was a, it was a pretty hard time in my life. And I probably left earlier than I should have. I never felt done with the city. You know what I mean? Like I never mm -hmm. I felt like I left before I was really done with it. Um, and so I never wanted to go back because I thought it would be too painful. And so I just went back. I mean, it was pre Katrina that I was there. It was before I moved to New York. So we're talking 27, 28 years ago that I was there. Oh, wow. And, um, I just went back for the first time last year and just kicked myself for having stayed away for so long. It's very different. Yes. Um, structurally, it's very different. Aesthetically, it's kind of different, but I'm also not an 18 year old, <laughs> you know, looking for a hand grenade on Bourbon Street. So it was a very different, but. That full of it, I think. Well, I, I think it, it is very different post Katrina, clearly, but it's just, I just love it. And I really do feel a lot of that same heart and soul in Baltimore. And I, I kind of think of them as sister cities, honestly. You, you've said everything right. You know what? The snowball question. You actually get a. <laughs> that was ever given? <laughs> you, get, you get a pass for that one. New Orleans is my favorite city um, outside of Baltimore, and yeah. I agree with that notion that they're very similar. And even talking with the folks down there, I've gone maybe three or four times. I usually go for my birthday, yeah. and um, talking to the folks down there, they they sound like people that are from here. I mean, outside of the accent, but what they're talking about and how they talk about things, yeah. it feels like I'm in West Baltimore right now, or <laughs> I know this person like, man, I remember you. And yeah. to, to put it in context before we wrap up for some shameless plug stuff, the last time I was down there, um, I was there for my birthday and it was the day that the saints lost to the Rams. So this is two years ago. Oh, okay. And I had to go out right after that loss for birthday dinner. And it was just so depressing. And I was like, this is how it feels when the Ravens lose in the playoffs. This is the same People city. crying in the streets. Just sad saxophones. It was just it was <laughs> crying your bread pudding in your cooking yeah, right. way. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can certainly drown your sorrows there. A, yes. Just. The plan was to try to go this year for Mardi Gras because it's like, all right, I could still do irresponsible things. I'm not quite at a certain stage, but yeah. I, I don't know. But I just, you know, that's that's a place where I get a fair amount of energy from. And sure. I have this concept and belief that certain cities, certain locations are portals to like the weird. And New Orleans is definitely a portal. And yeah, it has changed considerably even, you know, over the last few years yeah. outside of like, what, almost what, 15, 20 almost 20 since like what Katrina, what have you. And it's a lot of differences there. And 
you know, I, I still think the heartbeat and what the city is is still there, but yeah. it, it has changed considerably. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, after I went back for the first time in 20 years, I went back again three months late. <laughs> 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 and, and then all of this happened. So I can't wait to go back. I'm really excited to go back. It's like that Hannibal Barris joke. I want based off of something Hannibal Barris said about, you know, New Orleans, all I would do is throw myself parade, second lines and gamble. And I was just like, I would do the same thing. Oh, my God. I, I eat oysters and drink Bloody Marys. That's, you know. You get it. So um, what else do you do when you're there? Right. So shameless plug time. What do you want to plug your website, your um, Instagram, anything that you got coming up? Or yeah, what have you? I mean, I would, I would say go visit greedyreads.com. This is a weird time right now and things are, are changing, but right now we're doing shopping by appointment. We, you know, so the stores are, are open to come browse again. Um, we are, we got a whole lot of stuff up and running since we shut down, but we now ship nationwide we do tons of virtual book clubs and we're adding more all the time. So we've done some amazing books in our book club. So I would highly recommend go and we have a sci-fi book club. We have a romance book club. We have a general book club. We do a long read book club in the beginning of the shutdown. We, we did weekly meetings and we, we read and we finished Moby Dick and it was amazing. <laughs> um, so every you can find everything, and then we have a fully functioning shopping website where we, you can do curbside pickup if you don't want to come in. You can come in and pick it up if you do. You can find everything at greedyreads.com. It's all right there. And um, I would just want to say thank you for having me, and thank you to everyone in Baltimore for sticking with us. I mean, we had a learn. I'm still learning how to run a bookstore in normal times, and so <laughs> this has been like a real learning curve. But and I'm I'm just so grateful that everybody has has stuck with us and, and shown such support. That's. That's great. Um, I am going to do my sign off and then that'll be that. So um, I'm Rob Lee for my, for my, for my friend. I, I'll say that my friend, Julia from Greedy Reads saying there's art in and around Baltimore. All you have to do is look for it. <laughs> <laughs>